1: Oh, cheers and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, reviews, great interviews, and so much more, all about the world of rugby union. I am your host. I'm David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows the game wherever I can find it, all over the globe. If you'd like to get in touch, I'd love to hear from you. I'm on Twitter at of Scrum. You can find me on Instagram at the, at the Scrum of the Earth podcast, or you can always just email me at the of the Earth at gmail.com. So, as you have undoubtedly noticed by now, this is not your regular weekly episode, but yet another bonus episode. This time, I am immensely pleased to welcome my latest guest, Rachel Law, starting Scrum Half for Watsonians in Edinburgh. Ms. Law, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth. Thank you for taking some time.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Delighted to be on here.
1: Um, So most people think it's silly, but I always start by asking my guests how to best address them. Is it okay to call you Rachel?
0: Of course. Yes, Rachel. Rach. Anything. Anything. Rachel's grand.
1: Great. Well, uh, Rachel, again, thank you so much for carving out some time to chat. I know you're very busy, not only with training, but also with work. Uh, I've been very much looking forward to this though, so I really appreciate it. Um, I'd like to begin by talking about you and your own rugby journey just a little bit before sort of widening out our focus to look at women's rugby in Scotland and then the world. Does that sound okay?
0: Yeah, perfect. Yeah.
1: Excellent. So let's, let's get right into it. So As always, I'm pleased to do a little bit of half-assed research before I actually have somebody on. And if I read it right, you began playing rugby at the age of four. Can that be true?
0: Yes, I started playing rugby at the age of four. Um, My dad just played down at the local rugby club called Pennycook. And so I was always there with um, my sister on a Saturday, watching my dad play and then just picked up a rugby ball and kind of fell in love with the game from there.
1: I'm so glad you you pronounced the name of that local club. So it's saving me the trouble of asking because <laughs> <laughs> I've been staring at it for a couple of days now going, okay, what am I going to go with here?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Penny Hook. just my local club. Um, I lived kind of five minutes away from there. So it um, was super convenient. And yeah, as I say, picked up a rugby ball age kind of five, chucked it about a bit with my sister and then started going down um, kind of weekly to, to training sessions and that's kind of where it all began. <laughs>
1: Well, my, my son's six now, and he's managed to start using the rugby ball as like a footrest under the dinner table. So he's, he's close to where you were, right? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's using it, I guess.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> so, again, if the internet is to be believed, you then went on to play for, I'm, I'm guessing it's Langham Rugby Club and their under-15s team. And it, uh, it yeah. said that it said that you captained uh, the team to win the Bruin Dolphin Cup final. Can you tell us anything about that? Like, what is the Bruin Dolphin Cup? The Bruin Dolphin sounds like a Florida-based craft brewery or something to me.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. So essentially, I so sorry. Tr- Training um, with, with Penny Cook came all the way up through their kind of mini section. Um, so that's up until you're you're kind of in, going to high school. So when you're kind of 11, 12, then I needed to move and find a women's team. Now, back when I was kind of 11 or 12, there wasn't very many women's teams in Scotland. Um, there wasn't very many under-15s or under-18s teams around. Um, and so... I originally joined Murrayfield Wanderers. Now, hmm. we only had maybe five or six under 15 girls. Um, and we actually managed oh, to wow. get in touch with Langham, who are a boarders team who probably about two, two and a half hours away from um, Murrayfield Wanderers. And we managed oh, to get in touch with them do you want to join up? We'll join up and make kind of a, a team together to, to put in for the Brundolphin Cup. So uh, Brundolphin were just the, oh. the kind of sponsors of, of the cup. Um, and it was kind of the biggest tournament for under 15s and under 18s um, girls in kind of Scotland. So we managed to, to get together just about 15 girls um, wow. to... To play in um, the the Bruin Dolphin. We went through all the rounds, and we were travelling from literally the the tip top of Scotland, Caithness, which is kind of up near Thurso, which is probably gosh about six hours away from from Langham. Traveling all the way up there, um, all the way across the kind of plucked in various um, kind of length and breadth of the country, wow. um, to to these, these games, um, and then we we managed to get to to the final, um, and and we managed to to win the final as well. So where,
1: where did you play the final? Um,
0: yeah, it's it was fantastic. Seems like such a long time. So the final was actually played at, at Murrayfield in um, it was? the big stadium. So, um. I, yeah, I've been very fortunate to, to actually play there quite a few times now. Yeah, you've um, spent a lot in, of
1: time there, I think.
0: <laughs> I do. And that's where we train as well. So, um, yes, it's kind of essentially my second home. I'm, I keep joking to people, but like, I've actually got a bed underneath the stadium. But um,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's, uh, yeah, I do. I do seem to spend a hell of a lot of my time there. Um, but yes, we got to the, to the final, played it in uh, the stadium in front of, Quite a reasonable crowd considering it was um, just 218 teams going, 215 uh, teams, sorry, going against each other. So, um, yeah, a fantastic experience.
1: Oh, that must have been incredible. Do you still have, I mean, do you did you get a trophy out of that? do you have something to commemorate that day?
0: Yeah, we had, um, we got a trophy and um, I think I got player of the match that game. So I've got a little um, player of the match, little trophy as well, that's uh, on Pride of place on my bookshelf at home. So um, yes, lots of of really good memories from from that squad. And obviously, as I say, Langham was kind of so far away from us um, in terms of of, of playing for Moneyfield Wanderers. But some of the girls that I played alongside, I'm still really, really good friends with now. So um, yeah, friends, friends for life. And it was, it was some team, some team that played.
1: I mean, the the bonding time and the six hour trips up North. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely, and um, yes, there was there was a lot of uh, a lot of time spent with with those girls. So um, traveling all over the place, um, some some really big highs, um, some some lows as well. It's uh, coming back from um, being up north on six hours, and your your body's aching, and you just want to get home. Mm. Uh, but no, some some fantastic memories with a really good group of girls.
1: I love it. Well, I, so I had originally planned to ask you about each and every club that I. Could could find that you had played for, but then I realized I should probably keep this under for under four hours or so. So, <laughs> so what I guess I'll do instead is I'm just going to run through the list that I found online, and you can just sort of jump in and tell me if I'm wrong about any of them, or if there's you know more to the story in some of these cases, I guess. Um so <laughs> and it's funny that you already mentioned the wanderers because of the first thing I was gonna mention. Um, so so <laughs> the source the source I found it says. Uh, quote, she, she then moved to Murrayfield Wanderers to play under 18s and then progressed into their senior team before starting university. And I just had to ask, did you find it funny that a team called the Wanderers is tied to one specific location?
0: Yes, um, Murrayfield Wanderers. We kind of nicknamed ourselves, um, so it was Wanderers Ladies, and then we kind of put the two of them together so we were known as Wandies. Ah. Um, so we kind of never really called ourselves Murrayfield Wanderers. We were kind of Wandies as a squad. Um, but yeah, oh. What a team to play for. Honestly, their senior team was fantastic. And some yeah. of uh, majority, well, I wouldn't say majority, but lots of the, the kind of current Scotland team um, have played for, for Moneyfield Wanderers. My sister, Sarah Law, um, Helen Nelson, Chloe Rowley, um oh shorty lisa martin who, who who used to play um yet loads of them emma wassell um oh. uh, used to play for for murrayfield wonders so i played alongside a lot of them um during kind of my senior years at, at murrayfield wonders so a fantastic club and again some fantastic players to, to have played alongside
1: so those so in in the united states it's really hard to think of any parallel like we don't have you know football clubs you don't go play nfl style football in your local club and then progress to the next club and the those if those clubs were there they probably wouldn't have four tiers of teams and everything so so when you talk about how great a team like the Wanderers was is that because you needed to be sort of at x level to get in and be part of that program or is it just the luck of the the geographical you know where it is is it just you had the biggest you know pool of great players
0: Yeah, I guess so. And I guess a lot of kind of the the Scotland stuff was um, kind of hosted in Edinburgh, so to speak. So Mm. a lot of the girls were living in Edinburgh anyway, and and it was only natural for them to to, um, play for Murrayfield Wanderers. Some of them came up through Murrayfield Wanderers' ranks, um, I guess. A lot of them had been to kind of Edinburgh University and were studying in Edinburgh. And then once they graduated, the, the kind of natural place that they went to was Moneyfield Wonders. So I think a bit of both in terms of kind of the geographical location of it, but also because it was such a good team and it was such a high level at the time. It was they were kind of the top of the premiership. Oh, I see. The best in scotland so um i guess a kind of mixture of the the two geographical and kind of the standard um is why there was so many good players that played there
1: so the next thing i found i'm i'm kind of thinking is out of date now because it said she is currently studying veterinary medicine at edinburgh university uh and i think you've already finished that degree because it sounds like you're working actively as a vet now
0: Yes, I am. Um so I graduated um last year from Edinburgh University um and I'm now a fully qualified um veterinary surgeon. Um so yes, I am currently working at a vet practice in Peebles called Armac, um which is kind of a, a mixed practice. It's um so we deal with kind of small animals, your cat your dogs, your hamsters, your rabbits, your guinea pigs, um, and also we do large animals, so farm animals, cows, sheep, um, as well as equine horse side of it as well. So um, yes, it's fantastic. I um, love my time at Edinburgh University. Um, What a fantastic place to study, but also the rugby side of it was amazing as well um i had five fantastic years of being involved with um eulrfc which is edinburgh university ladies rugby football club um, and yeah uh honestly a brilliant setup with their their women's rugby and probably one of the key reasons that i wanted to to study there as well um, albeit they have one of the best vet schools in Europe, probably in the world, um, but they also have a fantastic rugby setup. and obviously rugby was, was kind of so important for me kind of um, coming up through my teens and, and, and heading into university. So yeah, key fundamental factor as to, to why I wanted to study at Edinburgh.
1: Well, it also said that while you were there, you helped uh, the rugby team uh, to both league and cup wins in the BUCS, the British University and College's sport leagues. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, um, so the very first year that I was there, so that was um, season 2016, 2017. Mm -hmm. um, We had, there was kind of a a reshuffle of the leagues um, and we were kind of in a a fairly new league. We hadn't really played very many of the the teams before um, and it was very much an unknown season. We were going into it. We wanted to play some good rugby, but we weren't really looking for kind of any um, kind of... uh, places um in the league we weren't really looking to oh I see. the league we <laughs> had an unreal season uh, we went unbeaten and um, we had bonus wow. points in every game that we played and we went on to play at twickenham um against uh northumbria uni and um we we we, we won it was oh it my was gosh fantastic. Wow. Um, unfortunately but please unfortunately, tell
1: me they didn't they, please tell me they didn't do the swing low chant
0: no they didn't no
1: they didn't <laughs> it's I always a hazard when you're at Twickenham
0: <laughs> exactly um i think there was there was probably a bit of a flower of scotland going on from some of our fans so nice. um I was always good to go to um to twickenham and and, and outsing the english so yeah um, <laughs> yeah no it was fantastic unfortunately um i was there On the sidelines, I had um, damaged my shoulder um, earlier on in that season and I had to have surgery. So um, Ah. I was in a fling, unfortunately, didn't get to um, play in that game. But in saying that, um, the next time I'm trying to think I must have been in fourth year so that must have been um not last season but the season before that um I w- was was captain of the the university team and we we managed to do it again and um, wow. we won the league um and um with a fairly new squad because the squad from 2017 a lot of them graduated after that so we had kind of lots of freshers coming through um and we we're a fairly new new team um um in the, the year that I captained them so Fantastic to, to win the league and then wow. we had just won our semi-final um down um I, down in where we were playing? I think we played against Hartbury um and we were due to play in the final um at the Rico Arena in, in Coventry. Oh wow. Unfortunately that's when COVID kicked off and so the final got cancelled. Oh. Um we weren't able to to, to play the final um, i think they just kind of um i think they they said it was a draw i think they just kind of oh, nullified okay. it um said oh. it was a draw um and so yes that was my second last season um at university and then my last season which was was just last year um 2020 2021 season um unfortunately bucks the the university league didn't run at all just because oh. of so yeah, yeah. Um, we didn't get the opportunity to go and do it again which I was very sad about um, but yes a fantastic five years and to get to two finals um, with, with the squad um, and bet- essentially be the, the the second best if not first best uh, university team in the whole of the UK um, wow. was fantastic, really really good
1: So if, once again, if the internet can be believed, in January of 2020, you received your first call up to the national sides. And so it was a friend of mine and friend of the pod, an overall lovely fellow, Craig Manson of the Scottish Rugby podcast, who pointed me your way in the first place. He told me that you did get the call up to potentially get that first cap for Scotland, but injury prevented that from happening. Is that right?
0: Yeah, so in January of 2020, um, I was in training, and um, I just bent down to catch a ball, and um, I tore my hamstring. Unfortunately, ah. um, and I just, I just had the call up. We were due to go to Spain um, with with the Scotland squad um, uh, the following week, so I just, I was gutted, oh. absolutely gutted um, to to miss out on that opportunity to to go to Spain. Um, but rehabbed um, my my. Um, hamstring back and then managed to get myself selected for the the Six Nations um that year the Six Nations squad that year um and w- was very kind of lucky to to be involved with with that albeit Again, I, I was I, I didn't actually get on the pitch. I was um on the bench for for the England game um, that was played in kind of torrential um storm oh, yeah. and uh, at Murrayfield. Um and then um that's when when COVID kind of kicked off properly. Um, uh, we were all in, in Italy getting ready to play against Italy. Um and, and unfortunately, because of the Real Madrid game, um a number of the squad testing positive for COVID, they um provisionally said, we're gonna cancel your game. So we all got Emergency flights out of Italy, um, and then we were due to play against France again. I was in the squad for that as well, um, but unfortunately, one of the the members of our squad tested positive for COVID, um, and we had to cancel the rest of the Six Nations. So, oh my word! Yeah, sadly, um, didn't didn't get my opportunity, but um, fingers crossed. Hopefully, well, soon. Well, I well
1: and I I almost hate to ask, but so. Can you talk about that experience as a player of being literally as close as a person can get to playing for Scotland, to getting that cap without actually getting a cap? I mean, is when you're sitting here right now, is that a a point of frustration or is it something that you use as personal motivation to get back there?
0: Yeah, a bit of both. I mean, it, it, sitting there at, at BT Murrayfield, it was played on on the main pitch, the the England game that um, I, I sat on on the bench for. It, it's heartbreaking. It honestly is. You you've worked so hard, and you kind of envision, you've worked yourself up in that moment, and and you envision yourself kind of getting on the pitch. Not doing so is heartbreaking. But as you say, it's the motivation. I loved being part of that squad. I loved that environment. I I so want to be back there and I think Mm. that is kind of the the drive and motivation um I've been so close and yeah, to, to step on the pitch is is, is my ultimate dream. So um, that kind of memory and, and, and the feelings surrounded by it is kind of my, my motivation for kind That's of That's trying- fantastic.
1: I had a feeling because of the type of player you are that that was exactly what you're going to say. I love that. Um, <laughs> you've already mentioned your sister. I see it. she's got about 40 caps for Scotland at this point. She's what, four or five years older than you? Um, can, yes. we all, can we all look forward to a day sometime soon where you and she make up the 9-10 pairing in a test match?
0: I would absolutely love that. Yes, she is an incredible athlete. She's just she's just got 50 caps. Um so her oh. the last game that she played she she got her 50th cap for wow. For
1: that's, that's Such a great number. Oh, wow. It's
0: so good. So good. Um, and yeah, as I say, she's honestly one of the hardest working people that I've ever met. Mm. Um, she's had a lot of injuries. And um, she's she's struggled a lot with kind of her Achilles and her calves and things like that. Um, but I've not met anyone who works as hard as her in terms of rehab and in terms of coming um, back from from kind of injury after injury that, that she has had and to pull on a Scotland jersey. And play with her is the the ultimate goal. I, I would honestly love that. That would be life complete. Big fat tick. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I would love to. And she's she's we play we've played quite a few times um at edinburgh university she was my first year of university she was doing a masters so um, we played a couple of games together there and then um when we played at marfield wonders she played as well um so we, we have played um with each other quite a few times um for for club and university and we're just on the same wavelength do you mm. know she knows exactly where i'm going to be she knows exactly what i'm going to do and vice versa and she she's one of those players as well that puts people through gaps that you don't even realize you don't even see them and she just puts people through them so she's honestly a dream to play with um and yes as you say i would honestly love to to get the opportunity to pull on the thistle um and, and play alongside her well
1: you know i'm already going off script here but it made me think of two questions one is both of you clearly have you know had injuries that have taken time to come back from, but you keep doing that. Where do you think that mental resiliency comes from? Because it's such a hard thing to do if you, if you feel like your body's letting you down to get back out there and do all the things it takes to get another shot. Uh, where do you think that comes from for both of you? I
0: think family um, has a huge part of that. My dad is, well, both my mom and my dad, but my dad kind of mainly the rugby side of it was hugely kind of influential in us growing up and, and kind of teaching us, to not give up and, and to, to keep dreaming of our dreams and so I think that has a huge part of it for me probably Sarah, Sarah ha- is probably my kind of I always call her my hero and um, she, she probably inspires me the most and um, she as I say, is so hardworking, so dedicated, um, and yeah, I think she's she's probably my biggest inspiration. Um, I've had a couple. I had a knee operation just last year, um, and um, and then I tore my MCL as well. So um, a lot of setbacks, but yeah, kind of her her strength and determination is is very much a, a factor for me um, in terms of of my drive to to continue.
1: So, I actually just finished what uh, last night I finished watching you start at scrum half for your Watsonians in the Sarabini Cup final. And by the way, the turnover you got pretty early in the second half from deep in your own territory, that was brilliant. It was probably a try saver. <laughs> Great stuff that was. Um, in any event, can you tell us about that cup competition? In fact, Can you just tell us about the structure of the league that you play in with the Watsonians? It's just not only is rugby hard to watch here, it's even hard to find coverage. It's almost mystifying how deep you have to sort of scrape and dig to find anything. And I was coming up blanks on this.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. So the league that we kind of have, we have um, kind of three main women's leagues in Scotland: um, national, two national, one, and then the Premiership. Okay. Um, the current structure that we have at the moment in the Premiership, there's there's six teams. Um, you play everybody home and away. Um, and then they kind of get structured. Um, for for the playoffs of of the league, so um, first place, second, uh, third place, fourth, and fifth place, sixth. Um, to to kind of. Decide the, the final mm. position for, for the league. So, this
1: sounds like this sounds a bit like the Super 6.
0: Yes, essentially. So very, very similar to Super 6 um, that, that we've got over here. Um, and they've, I think, Scottish Rugby have kind of essentially tried to, to replicate oh, okay. the, the Super 6 kind of um, structure with our premiership structure. Um so that's the way that the the league works and then the cup essentially takes the top two players from each of the three the top two players the top two teams sorry from each <laughs> of the three leagues um and they kind of go into to two pools they play against everyone in the pools and then top v top and well top v second top v second in the semis and then go through to to the final so In actual fact, for us, the final of the league, we played against Hillhead Jordan Hill, which Mm -hmm. is who we played against in the final of the Cerebini Cup as well.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
0: A team that we we know fairly well through playing them through the season and playing them in the league final and to then come up against them in, in the cup final as well. So. We won the league final. Um, that was um, quite an outstanding performance um, from from our team. We we actually um, beat Hillhead sixty seven nil, which was um, oh. quite quite impressive. Um, decisive. For... I
1: think you'd call that decisive.
0: Yeah, very much so. <laughs> um, so I think yes. There's, that there's some a... there's
1: some great photos too, by the way. Some really great <laughs> photos online from that.
0: <laughs> I, I have such an awful rugby face. I I I don't know how people do it. You see all these people and they look lovely playing rugby and every single time I've got some I've got my gum shield sticking out I've got I don't know how they do it I genuinely do it.
1: I think we can safely blame the photographers
0: um, <laughs> yes never get my good side never get my good side um but yeah we played um against Hillhead Jordan Hill again in in the Sarah Beanie um cup um final this year so just a little bit about the the Sarah Beanie Cup Finance. It, it's called Sarah Beanie um, after um Sarah Beanie, who was a, a woman's Scottish women's rugby player who sadly passed away in a, a car accident oh. quite a number of years ago now. Gosh, it must be about six, seven, eight years ago or so now. Um, um she she tragically passed away. A, a really, really good um rugby player and, and an advocate for kind of women's rugby in, in Scotland. Mm that's why um we we play for the the Beanie cup. Um that's why that was that was named after her. Um so yes, Hillhead Jordan Hill versus uh Watsonian's women for the 2022 um Beanie Cup final that was also played at, at Murrayfield. So yep. um one of the the other times that I've I've had the pleasure of playing at Murrayfield. Um and yeah, it was it was quite some game. Um I I gosh, thinking back to it now. It was extremely physical. Um, was, Hillhead Jordan uh, Hill are
1: a war of attrition. I think people would have called it.
0: Yes, very much so. Very much so. Um, a very forward dominant um, affair, and yes, I. Ugh, it was good. It was a really good game. Frustrated with, we just we just didn't seem to be able to get going. Um, mm. We just didn't seem to be able to set any platforms for our, our backs to play off and I think we really, really struggled. Um we territory they kept on our half. So yeah, a tough game. Um and, um to, to Hillhead Jordan Hill for, for being the better on the night, but um yes, a really good game to to be a part of nonetheless.
1: Yeah, it was just the one try to two, and yours came early enough that it looked like, oh, they're going to score six or seven of these, but just didn't work out that way.
0: No, and it's it's one of those ones that is very much a mental game as well, and mentally, they were better on the day, as I've said, they... Kept their composure. We we lost our heads definitely. Um, in particularly in that first half, last kind of ten minutes of the first half, we were we were rattled, and mm. I don't think we fully regained control until the last five minutes. And um, and by that point, I think uh, the game was already lost, unfortunately. Um, but yes, it's one of those ones that you get off to a good foot, and I think we we got two um, what's the word I'm looking for too settled, too, um, yeah, too Compl- settled, complacent. I guess. And, and complacent, that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you very much. Um, too complacent. And, yeah, I think we needed to, to keep our foot on the pedal. Um, and unfortunately, I think we switched off and, and it, it cost us the game, unfortunately.
1: Well, as I've already sort of mentioned, probably more than once, you know, following rugby at all in the United States is difficult. You really have to try hard. Following the women's game is even harder than following the men's game. But it, it honestly feels like things have shifted a bit. And just in maybe even the last year, maybe two, but from, from where do you sit? Do you feel like you're part of a change in the way that the world looks at women's rugby? Or is it hard to really perceive that kind of thing when you're engaged at the player level, when you're right in it like you are?
0: Yeah, I'd say there's been a massive shift um, over the course of as you see the past year I'd probably say even the past two three years and mm. um, particularly in, in Scotland there's more girls picking up the ball there's more kind of under 12s teams under 15s teams under 18s teams um, and there's there's kind of a better infrastructure there um from kind of, of Scottish rugby um to, to kind of drive the game in, in Scotland I think probably looking at it kind of worldwide um, England's have got it Pretty much spot on, um, in terms of their kind of structure, um, and and um, kind of girls' pathway and setup. Mm. Obviously, the introduction of the Tyrrells Premiership Fifteens, um, with with the um various teams that are involved with that, and the kind of broadcasting and and publicity of that as well. Get it on the screens. You get people watching it. People think, yeah, one oh, yeah. I might pick that up, and then grow it from groups, and and that kind of cycle is is something that that England have been bang on with over the course of the past kind of four or five um years or so so um yeah one of those ones that if the rest of the world can kind of follow suit um in in terms of of what England have done um then then that would be fantastic um I know I I don't really know too much about the the game over where you are um uh, obviously you've got the 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 girls in the um pacific four series that have just kicked off yep. obviously that's that's fantastic in terms
1: not a good start for us not a good start for
0: us <laughs> <No>. <laughs> i wasn't gonna mention it
1: i mean it was um, <laughs> it, it wasn't it, it wasn't the all blacks coming to face our men in washington dc but it wasn't great
0: <laughs> no it wasn't fantastic but then again i I'd, I'd, i think that did you watch the um black friends versus the Wallaroos?
1: No, no, I saw the score, and I as soon as I see the score, I don't really want to watch. It just takes the thrill out of it somewhat. But, but it I'm does, sure it was, but, must have been a, but it was amazing. The
0: Wallaroos right? were. It was good, but the Wallaroos were up ten nil at half time, and I was like, "What's going on here? This is quite interesting." Oh, wow. And the Black Ferns look. They looked rattled. Really. So, um, an interesting one. Obviously, we have got a World Cup at the end of this year, so mm-hmm. that makes us excited. Uh, from a kind of a Scotland perspective, we've got um, Australia, Black Ferns and Wales um, in our um, pool. So wow. it's it's looking interesting. You, you go into that and you go, oh, uh, World Cup in New Zealand, which is the other side of the world against the Black Ferns, who are probably the best team in the world. That's kind of scary, but kind of looking at where they are, albeit, yes, they are probably still, one of the best teams in the world, to be able to go over there to put on a performance and say, I went to New Zealand and I played against Black Ferns and we actually played all right, would be something that we would be challenging to to do. So um, yeah, I think rugby as a whole across the world is on the up and something like kind of the the World Cup um, is is just gonna be more of a kind of driving factor to get more kind of young girls involved in, in rugby.
1: Definitely, I, I can't wait for that. It's going to be incredible. So, as we've kind of talked about, you've you've played the game at almost every conceivable level. I, I feel sure, you you must have some some horror stories about what it's like trying to succeed in a sport where everything sort of seems, or frankly, is stacked against you. So part of part of what I want to do here on this pod is to promote women's rugby not just by talking about how great it is, but also by illustrating, you know, how difficult it is even at the highest levels. So in that vein you've got to have one or two stories or just examples of when you were like, okay, yeah, if this was a men's fixture, this would not be happening this way right now.
0: Yeah, massively so. And I think one of the first things you have to talk about is the kind of professionalism, so to speak, of the sport. Mm. I I have a full-time job. I am a full-time vet, yet kind of training-wise, we're we're probably expected to kind of train just as much as um, kind of our, our male counterparts. England, um, they've got kind of full professional contracts, so so their girls are kind of full rugby players. So when you take Six Nations, for example, where you've got complete amateurs who work nine till five, then have to go and train, playing against professionals who it is their job to play rugby. Right. Um, it, is so challenging and it's difficult to compete at that level. Mm. Um, So I'd say kind of one of the biggest challenges in, in kind of women's rugby, particularly in Scotland is that there's, there's, there's no kind of bridging that gap is, is, is difficult. It's, it's professionals versus amateurs, I guess. Um, so it's difficult to fuel, Change when you're not able to get good performances because you are essentially playing playing against professionals, as I've said. So it's challenging. I think a lot of things have changed in terms of the kind of sexism side of things, um, mm. in terms of of it being seen as a male sport and and kind of women playing being completely foreign and and not something that that, that people want to watch. I think social media has helped a lot with that I think social media has not helped a lot with that um but I think in terms of kind of rugby becoming more of a sport for both male and females I think yep. that that's a lot better and kind of the 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 social media coverage that that has been promoting women's rugby is very much on the up um, and and hopefully encouraging and, and showing that it's not just a, a male sport um, it's kind of a, a, a sport for for everyone so in terms of kind of the challenges surrounding women's rugby particularly in Scotland um, I'd say kind of those are, are, the, are the main two that you come up against um, and it's just kind of getting over that hurdle um and once hopefully we kind of get more professional contracts in Scotland the SRU put a bit more money into kind of right. women's work that's when we get the kind of the good outcomes and, and kind of everything spirals fr- from from there I guess
1: it, it's funny because you just put it exactly the way I sort of I don't know in a vague way sort of felt it just as an outside observer um You know, the the most recent Six Nations was, you know, people have all been saying it was just a triumph for the the women's game, record crowds followed by record-breaking crowds, intense, exciting actual matches unfolding with more eyes watching than ever before by quite a wide, wide margin from what I understand. And Now I sense that instead of being like, oh, that's the women's game, people feel like, no, this is the game I love. It's just different teams. It doesn't feel like that, like, as you say, it doesn't feel like there's two separate things. Now it's just two sort of sides of the same coin. Do you think that's true at all?
0: Yeah, massively so. And the other thing I think with regard to the Six Nations this year, um, was was kind of the sponsor surrounding it as well. So mm. the, the Six Nations was, was was sponsored by TikTok.
1: I think now, that was brilliant. I think that was a great move and I think it was really helpful.
0: So yes, massively so. Don't ask me a thing about TikTok because I think I'm too old for that and I, I have not a clue, but I think having it as a sponsor, having something which is so big, particularly with young people Influential girls who are going to be seeing things like the Six Nations, the TikTok Women's Six Nations, on their phones right in front yeah. of them on yep. a platform that is, is, is up and coming was was fantastic and probably one of the the best things that's happened for kind of women's rugby um across the world in in the past couple of years. So um yes, would say definitely so.
1: So, with all that being said, the elephant in the room is, of course, Scotland. D- Did't do well. <laughs> you uh, the way I wrote it was a uh, you got yourselves a nice sort of uh, like a rough hume, unsanded and splintery wooden spoon out of it. <laughs> and and yeah. at the end of the, at the end of the day, the two teams, um, as well as the eventual uh, the top two teams as well as the eventual winners were exactly who we knew they were going to be heading into the tournament um during and after the competition the so-called pundits all over the world were saying oh you know this just points out the disparity between the programs in these countries and until there's more parity the sport cannot grow and you know I I get the argument I get it It, and it's inherently true that watching a game of any sort where the outcome isn't really in doubt that's kind of antithetical to the, the the reason we all watch sport in the first place but I have to say, you know, personally, just as an observer, my level of investment went way up. My level of enjoyment was so high, and uh, I just have so much more hope and enthusiasm when I look ahead for this sport. So, w- where do you stand on that? I mean, <laughs> I then even literally wrote down. I guess a simpler way to ask that question—that long-winded question—was six nations, good or bad?
0: Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and I think what you what you've said it, it sums it up perfectly. Um, and it's one of those ones that, as I've said. Scotland, we we aren't a professional squad. We're coming up against France, England, professional contracts. So it's so difficult to compete on that kind of playing field when it's not level at all. It's 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 very much a a a challenge um for us. I guess another way of kind of looking at us coming into the Six Nations was we just come off off the back of quite a long-winded um, process of, of qualifying for the World Cup. Um, that started back in September. Um, well, it started back a long time ago. Obviously, COVID's had a huge influence in, in moving tournaments and and cancelling things. So we came off the back of, of, of a, a fairly long process of, of qualifying for the World Cup. We mm-hmm. had tournaments in, in Italy. Where we played three games, um, Sarah Lock and kicked the the, the winning um, penalty against Ireland to, to keep our World Cup hopes alive, and then obviously we had to train over Christmas, go over to Dubai to play against um, Columbia in 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 that that show as well. So it's one of those ones where we're coming off the back of a fairly long process. A lot of the girls as well don't have pool in scotland a lot of the uh, girls that scotland sevens also play scotland 15s so they go from kind of 15 sevens 15 sevens 15 sevens oh, well. without any real break and they'll have come off the back of six nations last year which was pushed back to the april time to then go into scotland sevens where they, they've played various tournaments to then go into world cup qualification i'm
1: sure playing sevens isn't exhausting at all yeah, I'm, I'm sure that much <laughs> no it. I,
0: I know I no. it just I mean seven minutes what are they what yeah are they you might as, about, as well
1: so. take a nap right <laughs> Yeah,
0: exactly <laughs> exactly um so yeah kind of coming off the back of 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 all that you had some tired bodies going into the six nations and at the end of the day for us kind of biggest work ons for this year is going to be going into a world cup the six nations yes okay it's a fantastic opportunity to play against some fantastic teams doesn't really mean anything to us we didn't need to to prove anything there it was good kind of testers and, and warm-up games okay. going into the, the biggest tournament It it's it's obviously one of those ones obviously you want to put out good performances sure. but at the end of the day there was some tired bodies out there and and there was no pressure on us to to to, to put out um and kind of uh, to put put decent scores past people it was one of those ones that um we were we, yeah we just we looked at it kind of building up there was lots of young girls that got kind of first caps and um, so yeah kind of building the the depth and and that we want in a squad going into to a world cup and um, was kind of one of the, one, one of the main factors for, for our six nations as well
1: so you've already touched on this and you know people love to act like the answers here are very simple and people will just say oh we just need to make the team fully professional that's all we'll just uh if somebody throws enough money at it and it becomes professional uh problem solved and, and the parody will ensue but it's it's obviously far more complicated than that right because there's probably many people uh you know who make a better living now than they would if they signed up to be fully professional scotland rugby players uh, you might even be one of them um can you talk about that a bit? Like what, for you, what's the next step for elevating the game in Scotland?
0: Yeah, massively so. And as you say, I think some people do think, oh, just chuck enough money at it, all those girls will go professional. Um, but at the end of the day, we're only going to be playing rugby for, what, eight, nine, 10 years if we're, if we're lucky. What, what right. do we have? after that so a lot of the girls are at university a lot of them are trying to do degrees a lot of them have full-time jobs and we've got doctors we've got vets we've got um bankers we've got financial advisors we've got lawyers we've got a a fantastic array of of incredibly intelligent women out there so as you say becoming a full-time professional probably with with not the bestest of pay um, compared with kind of a, a career of, of of building and working their way up kind of the career ladder is one of those ones that is extremely tough and as I say you're not going to be playing rugby for the rest of your life so it's it's, it's not going to set you you up for life so I think for a lot of the girls and, and me included in this if it was offered the opportunity to to go full-time I'd take that with two hands I would love rugby to to be my job um and and I would love that and I I think a lot of the girls would would be in the same boat as as me in terms of of wanting to to kind of play rugby full-time that would that would be ideal but at the end of the day it's one of those ones that yes okay you can make those people professional but if you've not got any pathway for for new people coming through as well and you've not got the infrastructure in place to the development that a squad needs for a squad to go fully professional and and to to continue to go on you need something underneath that as well and I think that's something that that, that's kind of Scottish rugby have been working on with their under 18s and their future squads and getting kind of six nations and things for for the under 18s and the futures is is something that they've been working on and something that they've they've, they've just done which is is brilliant it's fantastic to to have those kind of tournaments for development players coming through and I think that's where you grow it from you you bring them up through there and then if you're able to to offer kind of professional contracts it's not kind of a that solves all your issues, it's going to be one of these things that takes three, four, five years of, of development and, and working um, to, to be able to kind of create a system that, that works and, and creates a, a, a fantastic um, kind of end goal for, for kind of women's rugby in Scotland.
1: So, you know, apart from just Scotland, what about the global scale? So you're obviously, <laughs> you're deeply passionate about women's rugby, you know, so what do you think can or should happen to continue to grow the game even more over the coming years? And is, you know, somebody like me, who's some random American desperately trying to find a way to even watch these matches, what can I do to sort of help bolster that profile, to to, to raise the awareness and and like I say, to, to grow this game like it should be?
0: Yeah, massively. I think in terms of good things coming up, obviously we've got a World Cup as I touched on earlier um, in New Zealand and kind of the media cup, that should hopefully make it easier for to watch them all in which is is kind of over in New Zealand and at the World Cup. So hopefully, fingers crossed, the TV um the TV companies get it right in terms of coverage for that. I think social media is, is one of those things that, okay. that is is extremely influential um, in terms of, of young girls coming through. Um, and then it's it's all about growing it at grassroots. It's all about doing what you can, particularly girls going as they're kind of coming up through high school when boys and and other things like that in, in, in school are, are extremely interesting and, and playing sport is sometimes deemed as as not being cool. If we can get rid of that, if we can have positive mm. role models who are showing these girls, I, I want to aspire to be like that. If I stick in at this sport, then then I could be there. About getting those kind of influential role models there Yeah, and
1: yeah.
0: visible. If you can't see it, you can't be it. That's one of those ones that that they say if you, you can't see I love that, that you, you can't you can't be it. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: Representation, Again, mat- you know, representation matters it's a big thing
0: massively, massively so so having the role models um and there for young girls to see growing up is is, is going to be huge and that hopefully kind of things like the world cup and things talk beal which is this new one that i've apparently heard of the other day and um, i'm sorry you dropped out for just a second so, there. So
1: i'm sorry i missed that, sorry. Part, that last bit
0: Sorry, just saying that kind of having the role models there um mm-hmm. through Instagram, TikTok, um, Be Real and and which is this new ah, okay. app that I have never heard of. Um, but um yes, having kind of um influencers, um, role models that, that girls can aspire to be like is gonna be key in, in kind of getting girls involved, keeping girls involved, <laughs> um and inspiring kind of the the next generation to come through you build it from grassroots and it and kind of the whole circle um um, starts from there so yeah those sorry that was a fair I'm
1: I'm laughing because I'm like a thousand years older you than you and of course I also haven't heard of Be Real and obviously they named an app Be Real that's about to become the next platform to people to massively misrepresent themselves It's so yeah, good. no.
0: <laughs> apparently, so apparently, I think you you take it. So it gives you a notification every. This is what I understand, and my understanding is fairly limited. But apparently, okay. it gives you a notification um at a random time during the day, and you have to take a picture of yourself at that current moment and take a picture of what you're looking at. So, say oh. for example, you are um in the middle of um university, and you're in a lecture. You take a picture of yourself, and you take. Theater. If you're in the middle of rugby training, you obviously stop to pick up your phone, take a picture of yourself, and take a picture of your team <laughs> playing rugby. Well, um, I think it's meant to encourage you to be less fake and be more real. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not down with the kids these days, so I've got no idea.
1: <laughs> the kids. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't mind, you know, what's your take on the state of rugby in Scotland overall? So the, the past year wasn't great you know for the men's it was a disappointing six nations quite a bit edinburgh and particularly glasgow have been unceremoniously eliminated from europe and the urc uh some of the top men's players still still seem to be sort of suffering from lions tour hangovers you know how do things look from where you sit and are you optimistic or is it back to the old well the best thing we can do is not hope
0: yeah i think so i think per glasgow um. Oh no, I've lost. Are you still there? Yes. yes. Um. Sorry. Yeah. Poor pro Glasgow, I think um, Leinster were. I mean, Leinster are one of the best teams out there, but um, still not not the best performance from from Glasgow the weekend. I thought Edinburgh played well in terms of um yeah. having to travel to South Africa, playing some difficult conditions against yeah. uh, a fantastic um South African team. So. Yeah, I think in terms of obviously we didn't have the best um, Six Nations as a men's squad, we didn't have the best Six Nations as a women's squad, it's one of those things, that's sport isn't it at the end of the day and and mm. Scotland are, are not really known as, as, as being the best around there but Summer tour coming up. Um, opportunities to to go to Argentina and to Chile. Um, and hopefully get um some some good performances out there. Um, we Scotland just released the the team. Um, and there's lots of kind of exciting prospects in there. A lot yeah, of young lots, lots of
1: young uncapped people could be interesting. Yeah,
0: no. Exactly, and people who've been playing outstandingly for um, both Glasgow and Edinburgh coming up through. You've got kind of Ben Muncaster, who's been fantastic Mm. for Edinburgh, Um, and then you've got kind of your Rory Darges, who showed in this year's Six Nations just how good he is, and they're they're both so, so young. Um, So I think it's good for Scottish rugby having those kind of... The, both of those um players have been involved in kind of the academy um, so it shows that we're kind of getting something right at those kind of um academy levels and hopefully um they kind of continue to to develop come on leaps and bounds and are kind of the the next hamish watsons of of the, the scottish world so um fingers crossed that um we, we get a decent summer tour and then kick on for autumn internationals and push into to six nations next year
1: Finn and Hoggy both both left off the roster. I'm fr- I'm I don't know if I by myself in this, but I thought that was a great move. I think both those guys need a huge rest. I feel like find those guys a nice little resort in Dubai, play some golf, sit by the <laughs> pool, just chill for a little while. <laughs>
0: yeah massively so and i think that's what's so good about summer tour as well i think um you you've got the opportunity to to give young players more game time you've got opportunity to rest um your your kind of star players from from six nations and as you say they've had difficult seasons coming um through um with, with exeter and over in france so it's yeah it's it's one of those ones that um a, an exciting opportunity for lots of of young guns coming through um, um, but also gives you a chance to, to to rest some of your key players. Looking forward to kind of autumn internationals and then and back into to Six Nations. So um, it'll be exciting. I think it'll be good one for uh, Gregor Townsend to to try some some new combinations and um, to give some people some some much needed game time in an international shirt. Um, so yeah, very very exciting.
1: Was your you know I, I don't know how you felt about townsend before six nations did your opinion i feel like he lost a lot of the stock he'd built up you know there was the the away win at twickenham there was two wins against england in a row and suddenly scotland was riding high and then the six nations happened and i feel like people are a lot like his stock plummeted at that point um has that changed your opinion or are you just like like you said before is this just the way sports are it just kind of there's ebbs and flows and you just have to see how it goes
0: yeah, it's difficult. And I think it's, it's as I say, kind of comes in peaks and troughs. You have those kind of fantastic performance and you have those those less good performances. And I think um, Townsend tried uh, a lot of interesting things in the Six Nations, again, playing lots of young players, playing people who kind of hadn't been involved in Scotland squads for, for quite some time who were, mm. were coming back into yeah. uh, squads. So I think it's, it's, yeah, it was very much kind of a, a time for him to, to try things but that sport at the end of the day you've got when you're kind of at that that high level and you're playing against kind of the best teams in the world I think it's one of those ones where you you will have good performances you will have rubbish performances Um, it's it's very much um so, it's so competitive that, that I guess sports like that so um yeah I guess it, it, it made for a very interesting summer tour hopefully we do and there's some um kind of faith restored in in Gregor um, uh, ability um but yeah no I think for me I don't think my opinion of him changed I think it was just one of those ones you you win some you lose some and okay. you try things they work you try things they don't work so um yeah definitely <laughs>
1: You know, So I have to tell you my my sneaky fear here. So I'm sure as a player, I'm sure you're familiar with this. People always say you should always be playing against the highest tier competition because, you know, steel sharpens steel. You only get better by playing people that are sort of at a higher level than you and so on. So then and granted, Scotland's just sending an A side for them, <laughs> but then Chile get to play them. Before playing my Eagles in, in our remaining World Cup qualifier matches, which means Chile is going to have a chance to level up and, you know, sharpen their own steel just before coming to meet us for that, that pair of matches. I'm so mad. I'm like, can you just schedule that after that? Like, let's, don't level let's... them up just before we play them. That's so mean. <laughs>
0: No, but I think it's such, again, such a good opportunity for Chile um, no. to, to, to play against Scotland. And um, I think a fantastic opportunity for the Scotland boys to go over there and, and, and play against Argentina and Chile as well. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully try not to do you um, any, any favours. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, no, it'll be good. It'll be, at least then... Um, you guys will be able to see kind of how Chile play because obviously for you, um, oh, that's true. have Chile played? I don't know. Have Chile, Chile played? Met many many kind of international games where you guys can can analyze them and, and see. Uh,
1: not that not that I've seen, there was a tournament. Uh, uh three. Four months ago, um, that was just never available to, to be seen here. Um, I know some people through the the Free Jacks who I support here locally. Um, some people with that organization were part of that, so they were down in South and Central America. Um, but you know, none of the, the news doesn't even trickle up here. It's it's the funniest mm-hmm. thing. Even the <laughs> even when I go to the BBC website, right, and I go I click sport, and it lists a bunch of sports. Rugby union is listed by itself. There isn't even any mention of rugby league. Not like I'm looking for that coverage, but it just tells you, you know, how narrow that spigot is of information and news that even gets here. It's incredible.
0: <laughs> Which is mad. It's honestly mad, isn't it? Is rugby league big over there? I I oh, no. don't really know at all.
1: Not at all. And in a way, I'm kind of scared that people catch on to it because people, you know, here the comparison is always, oh, well, if you like american football you'll like rugby i don't think they're that close and rugby league frankly is closer to the nfl than rugby union yeah. is and uh i'm kind of scared i every now and then i hear a rumor oh somebody's going to start up this rugby league league and i'm like no no don't make americans think that's what rugby is no no, no. no.
0: In, the, the You're in the real sport you were the real sport exactly <laughs>
1: um So we just talked about Townsend, uh, and I I almost forgot to mention. I see that your own head coach is is it Freddie Maine. He stepped down after a few years of tremendous success. How has that affected your team and and you know your your teammates?
0: Yeah, at at Watsonians, um, Freddie was was kind of vital in the success of the team over over the past couple of years. Um, Obviously, I only I only joined Watsonians um, this this season. um, Have um, finished university and, and looking for a team so um he was a a really really good head coach one of those people who understood you as a player and understood rugby and understood what you had going on in, in, in your life as well. So um a, a fantastic coach and, and a lovely person as well. So he'll be greatly missed at at Watsonians. He's stepping down kind of to, to focus on um his family life. I think rugby, oh. <laughs> as it does for everyone, kind of took over his life a little bit. Mm. Um so he's stepping down to spend a bit more time with his family. Um so uh, as a as a club we're we're looking for a head coach. So um if anybody wants to come and coach Watsonians <laughs> women's rugby um then Fine, fine, I'll do it. Okay.
1: (laughs) I see what you're getting at. Fine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um so yeah, I mean, he'll be a big loss for 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 the squad. Um, um, but yes, kind of looking looking forward to um a a new coach coming in and 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 potentially changing some things up. So um yeah, it'll be exciting, exciting times ahead, I think.
1: Well, Rachel, this has been so awesome. I, I just I appreciate your time so much. Um I I asked you for an hour. You've already given me more than that. Um, I do want to ask before I let you go. Was there anything else that, you know, that you had sort of hoped to be asked that I have just completely missed or skipped over? Do you have anything to plug for yourself or any plans to boast about or advertise or things to tell us about the, the, you know, the future of, of you and of, uh, and of women's rugby in Scotland?
0: I'm trying to think. I don't think so. We've obviously got, um, I'm involved in the the Scotland 7 squad and we've got a couple of tournaments coming up. One, um, two Rugby Europe tournaments in Portugal and in Poland. See, see, that's what I
1: mean. That that, that is not obvious. We had no idea. (laughs) I I had no idea.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, we've got those coming up and then um, we've got Commonwealth Games, obviously, in uh, Birmingham in end of July so um we're kind of currently working as a squad to get ready for for that so um I I'm loving being involved in kind of the extended squad of, of the Scotland Seven Girls they're a fantastic group of people and I'm loving kind of every minute of training so um hopefully my fingers crossed um that I can kind of push for an opportunity to play at the Commonwealth Games that would be fantastic and
1: the Commonwealth Games sort of follow the M. Olympic model where they, they, they have sevens but not 15s. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's right. So um, just just sevens at the moment, um, and as I say, going to be played in Birmingham um, the the last weekend in June with so uh, in July, sorry. Um, so the the twenty seventh to the 29th of of July, and hopefully again another opportunity to to get kind of women's rugby and, and rugby as a whole um, onto to the screens and onto the TV. Hopefully they'll have some decent coverage of that, um, and and we'll can be able to kind of continue to and in- inspire the next generation of of female rugby players coming through.
1: I wonder, the Commonwealth Games, as far as I know, have never been available to, to watch here, but I feel like things are different now. I feel like we might be able to get that this year. I'm going to be looking into that for sure.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. And I think that's that's some, it's, it's something that's that's massive, isn't it? I think um, everything's changing with regard to kind of coverage of these sorts of things. Women's sport is on and up as, as a whole, um, not just kind of rugby. So fingers crossed these things are kind of more readily available for people to watch. And fingers crossed then we're able to kind of get the widespread reach that, that it deserves, I guess.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, this has been so great. And, and by the way, so uh, it'll be my 100th episode coming up pretty soon. And one of the things I'm really excited about is I'm actually friends with a woman who's in the USA Eagles Hall of Fame. She played in the first two Rugby World Cups, scoring tries and everything. And the stories she has are unbelievable. So in your copious spare time, I will send you a link. So in case you want to catch up with that because she's unbelievable. And, you know, just one of the most impressive people I've ever met. And I'm sure it's going to be a smashing episode.
0: Fantastic. Please do. I would love to listen to that. That sounds brilliant. Um, Yes.
1: Well, Rachel, thank you again so much for your time. It's been so great. You're so fun and and so insightful. And I just, I I feel really privileged to have a chance to talk to you here today. It was just great. And and thankfully, your phone didn't ring. I was expecting there to be a horse emergency of some kind.
0: (laughs) Thank you to all the animals and pupils for not being ill. Um, <laughs> thank you honestly thank you so much for having me i've had a brilliant time um and yes look forward to hearing um some of your your next episodes and um, with some exciting guests so thank you very much again for having me. i've got me. a
1: lot lined up it's going to be great thank you so much for spending your time with the scrum of the earth it's been incredible and i will talk to you hopefully very soon thank you Well, my friends, that does it for this bonus episode. I feel very lucky to have had the chance to chat with a player as accomplished and, frankly, insightful as Ms. Law was. I hope you enjoyed it as well. It was smashing. So we're fast closing in on that 100th episode, and I have more special stuff planned to celebrate, so please stay tuned and keep your eyes on Twitter. Until next time, wherever you are, all over the globe, cheers, talk to you soon, and be well.